Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Welcome to the eighth episode of Ashley Talk Supercard. We are today with Virginia Tan, who is the co-founder and president of Lean in China. It is the women's platform with over 100,000 members across China. Besides that, Virginia also co-founded She Loves Tech. It is a global initiative that focuses on technology by women and for women. She is also the co-founder and the founding partner of Taya Ventures. That is a great, great initiative helping women uh startup and basically uh early stage investments and empower uh women entrepreneurs all around the region. Virginia has background in law and finance and I'm so 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 excited to have her here today. Virginia, welcome uh to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here today. Beautiful. Virginia, you are the head of Lean in China. Tell me how has your journey with Lean in uh start? It was an accidental journey. Um, I moved to Beijing in 2013, and uh, I met a bunch of girls in a bar. Actually, uh-huh. I, mo- I moved to China to work on the One Belt One Road um, initiative, uh, advising Chinese uh, state-owned companies and banks um, on their uh, strategic investments uh, on the new economic Silk Road. And um, I was new, and uh, a group of ten uh, women and I started um, what was Uh, one of the world's first lean-in circles. Um, I think the first outside of, of the first international circle outside of the U.S. Mm. And we started to hold um, weekly, uh, uh, you know, weekly or monthly type um, uh, meetings um, just to discuss professional personal issues. We started to hold public events, and that's how that's how all of this started. Um, we were overwhelmed by the, by the demand. Hundreds mm. of people used to show up. And then the, the, we put things on social media, and it spread from one city to another. It spread to the first tier cities, the second tier cities from Beijing. Um, we started um, uh, building chapters in universities, um, and that spread as well. So now across China, we have more than 120 chapters. That's beautiful. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, are you Chinese? A lot of people are wondering. Like in Beijing, you know, lean in China. You don't really sound Chinese. Tell us your story. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually Singaporean. I'm ethnically Chinese, um, right. so I say I'm overseas Chinese. Um, <laughs> I, and yeah, but um, I, I grew up in Singapore, and then uh, I left at 19, and uh, I spent um, the early parts of my career in Europe and the Middle East, um, and uh, yeah, then I moved to China in 2013. Okay, and how how old is Lean in China now? Uh, this is its fifth year. So, fifth year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in 2015, um, I quit my job actually as a lawyer, um, to the to the shock of my parents and disapproval <laughs> of my parents. Yeah, and I bet. Uh, this, decided to build up this organization full time. Uh, you know, and, because we were mm-hmm. just faced with so much demand, and you know, the the communities were really growing, and I just felt like this was a really this we had a real opportunity to impact more people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I decided to build up the organization from scratch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this book. Uh, so at which point you read Lean In? Was it the book? What in that book was the most influential and empowering? What actually motivated you to you know to not only start this first small circle, but also go and later on quit your job and really carry this message and grow and develop this message forward? What was that trigger for you personally? Asia Tech Podcast. 
Find out more at atp.show. I think the trigger wasn't the book so much, but actually uh -huh. um, women in China that I met. Okay. I think women in China really inspired me. Um, coming from uh, you know a Western background, uh, or at least Western educated background, and having started my career in the West, when I moved to China, the first thing I actually noticed was that a lot of my clients then in you know in finance and banking were actually women. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously at the top, there's still obviously a minority of women, but in the mid levels, I actually found there were a lot more women than I was used to. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they, they inspired me because they were not, um, you know, unfeminine or scary, you know, you know, they were, they were in, in a way, they were very different types of role models. Okay. They were new types of role models for me, you know, and they showed me what was possible. And I, and I, and I, and I remember how refreshing that was because we often were at, you know, really hard negotiations lasting months and months. And the Chinese side would be very often filled with women, actually. And the, um, then the other side, you know, all men. And, and, and so, you know, it just, it just left a deep impression on me. But I think that was more like the beginning. That's when I first came. And, and then I think later on, as we started to build up the communities, we started to meet a lot of women, you know, from all over China. Mm -hmm. We actually realized that, um, you know, I actually realized it was a huge social need, but I also realized that, um, you, you know, women in China, you know, this is like a new era for them. They're faced with, you know, the internet, so much choice, mm, mm. you know, there's so much, you know, you know, in many ways, so much courage, you know, um, of course the, the great, the great economic opportunity, you know, which, which, which this market or the size of this market affords them, um, you know, means that, you know, in many ways, you know, they're they 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 are willing to take risks, and um and do things that maybe in another market, um you know I don't necessarily see women doing, um mm -hmm. you know there's statistics that I use a lot, you know, saying that women China is one of the best places in the world for women to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, and, why is that? Is it true? I mean, I I, I mean I'm, I'm not, I I don't I don't want to say that I don't want to paint a completely rosy picture saying that everything is equal and stuff like that, but mm. you know if you look at the Hurun rich list, um. You know, it says eighty percent of self-made female billionaires come from China, mm -hmm. which is very, which is very, very interesting. I think there are a couple of reasons for that. I think the sheer size of, of, of the market opportunity in China, you know, means that people of that generation, you know, whether you're male or female, you know, because mm -hmm. of that, that opportunity actually, um, you know, had had a chance to make it big. I think that's one. Number two, you have things like grandparents in China mm -hmm. who are, you know, who actually expect their children to. Um, you know, to, to hand over their grandchildren, you know, they, they literally <laughs> expect to look after grandchildren. So in many, many places, like women have the social support to actually return to work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I also think that because of the communist legacy, yeah. you know, after 1949, which actually, because, you know, for China to grow at the breakneck speed, especially in the 80s and 90s, for China to grow at the double digit economic growth, you know, um, rate that they did, Actually, a lot of that was due to the fact that they were able to mobilize women into the state economy. Um, and I think, you know, you know, Chairman Mao in you know the early days, you know, he often said that women hold up half the sky. And I yeah. think that that's deeply ingrained. So, you know, I think, you know, even even decades ago, you were seeing, you know, a lot of Chinese scientists, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, developers, you engineers, know, you know, developers. Yeah. 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 And en engineers, you know, women, you know, and I, and I actually find that really inspiring. I think that if I were in a different country, perhaps I would not have made the choice or I would not have taken the risk to, you know, 
build an organization from scratch, be a social entrepreneur myself. And I think I was really quite happy and really quite satisfied to just see myself as a professional, as a, as mm. a, as a lawyer. Mm. But I think, you know, this market, I think, you know, I, because, because you have role models, because you see how people can be successful. Mm-hmm. I think you see, you see people who have come before you see, you know, um, and they're, they're quite, quite a few very powerful, influential female business leaders in China. So you see what is possible. And I think that actually is the real inspiration for, for, you know, continuing to build up this, 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 uh, to build up Lean in China, you know, this organization. That's absolutely. I was uh, I was also also born in the Soviet uh, Soviet uh, communist country. I was bo- born in Soviet Union, so I can totally relate with that idea that you know women hold half the sky, and you know our mothers went out to work very early, and there was a certain support network, and women were expected to take up you know leadership roles and you know to work as. Uh, engineers and you know to do all those things that are in the west still to some point are considered to be you know male occupations so that definitely contributes because you have a lot of strong women coming out of those countries but do you think that chinese women also think differently or let's say entrepreneurs uh chinese female entrepreneurs do they focus on different things do they focus more on succeeding rather than problems that you know women are facing? Uh, are they focusing on on money more? Are they what are they what are they doing right? Mm, I think China. Um, you know, one of the best things I love about China is that this is a very pragmatic market. Uh huh. So, if a venture capitalist thinks that you can make him or her a lot of money, mm-hmm. I think gender becomes less of an issue. So, I think that here. Because it's such a pragmatic market, you know, you are focused on survival. You're focused on, you know, scale. You're focused on growth. But I also think that um, I find Chinese people in general, not necessarily women or men, I find Chinese people in general quite stoic and very, mm-hmm. very hardworking. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a real ethic here, work ethic here, which I admire deeply. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, when you're in a market like this, if you look at a lot of the Chinese like billionaires or right, the women billionaires. You see that you know they slogged, really like slogged, for you know like worked really hard, you know for for a very long time, mm-hmm. make made sacrifices. I, I I think that it's I think it's a mixture of the work ethic, but also that courage, that you know the appetite for risk, caused mm-hmm. by the general environment, which yeah. rubs off on both men and women. Yeah. Because you see, you know, in billionaires like Jack Ma and you know like uh, Zhang Xing from Soho, you know, you see all these people are possible. You know, see that you see that this is possible. And therefore, you you know you are encouraged to also take that risk, you know, do something big. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this is necessarily a woman thing, but I mm-hmm. think that this is what the culture is like, mm-hmm. you know. And I think uh, women are you know are are, are, are in some ways the, the beneficiary of it. But I also think that China has one of the highest rates of the world in the world of women returning back to the workplace. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so it is, ex- you know, I won't say it is expected, but I mean, you know, it, you know, women were not, it's not like, I, I found out recently that, you know, in a place like Switzerland, you know, the the percentage of, of working mothers is 15%. <laughs> yeah, in, in China, um, according to a 2010 census, it was 72%. Right. So, so, you know, you know, it, it is, I, I think it, it is part to do with culture. I think it's also part to do with pragmatism. You know, um, like for example, in a place like Singapore, you know, most of the, most of the time, both parents work because it's an economic question. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, but I also think that 
you know, in the last couple of years, you know, the Chinese government and, you know, the Chinese ecosystem has really, really seen entrepreneurship flourish. You know, mm-hmm. it's been championed by, you know, the government, but also, you know, entrepreneurs like Jack Ma, who are very, very charismatic, and also as a way you know, to propel economic growth. And I think women are, you know, basically stepping forward to participate in that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's totally, totally true. I mean, speaking about hardworking, um, I know that there is this tag phrase in China. They say, if you are a Chinese entrepreneur right now, you're working 996. That's your working schedule from 9am in the morning to 9pm. And you're doing that six days a week. Nowhere else in the world, people are doing those schedules and putting in that sweat and hard work. And that is why, you know, the whole market is also propelling basically forward. And I also loved it that you mentioned that in China, whenever they start a business, they actually think big, right? They, they think big because they see the size of opportunity in their home country. But at the same time, they start looking beyond once they, uh, once they're comfortable in China, they start looking uh, outside as well right now, which is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I mean, this is the largest consumer market in the world. So you have to think big because if you yeah. don't think big, you know, you will, you will get away. Um, in, the, in, in many senses, the Chinese believe that if you don't go big, then, you know, then, then you're dead in a way. You know? <laughs> yeah. Th- 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 there is that, that, you know, thing. I mean, I, I don't necessarily always agree with that, but in, in general, you know. But in um, China, it is true. Yeah. Yeah. In, in you, China, it's true. If you're not big, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And places like Singapore and Hong Kong and many other, let's say, European countries or, again, being really far away, like in the United States. People are not thinking big enough. They either think only local markets or, you know, they feel that everything else is really, really not for them. Yeah. You very quickly mentioned, you know, technology and um, women in tech. I know that you're also working with that specific field. Um, in China, a lot more women are actually participating in the technology side and many co-founders of tech companies successful co-founders are actually women. Uh, why is that? Because in the rest of the world, women are afraid. We were told as girls that we are not good with, you know, technology and computers and all that stuff. Uh, is it only that? And how, how, how China is different? Why? Um, I mean, I mean, you know, Bloomberg in 2016 came up with a very, very interesting piece called Women Are Fueling China's Technology Boom. Now, I think it would not be right to say that you know, the majority of women in, of, of, of people in tech are women, you know, still, yeah. you know, I think majority of tech of people are, are, are still men in China. However, I think the pragmatism of this market, again, you know, is an asset to it. You mm-hmm. know, if, if, uh, if a person or, you know, a woman has skills, you know, the right skills, I mean, we need to think of technology and technology companies as, uh, you know, technology is a platform. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to make a technology company work, you actually need uh, you know, people who are great at sales, business, strategy, apart from just the, the, the coders. If you think about it, the coders, in a way, um, you know, how many coders are actually become the CEO of these big technology companies? None. I mean, there's like, <laughs> well, I mean, there's like Mark Zuckerberg, I guess, and like, you know, um, maybe like um, Steve Jobs and, you know, like, um, you know, and like Bill Gates. But I mean, Everybody else really, you know, you know, they're not tech people per se, they're business. And I think people need to understand that. And I think the Chinese are not intimidated by, um, I mean, even though there are greater numbers of, of men than going, uh, than women going into STEM, and that is a problem, you know, an increasing problem. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I also think that, um, you know, some of the greatest like technology leaders, uh, or, or tech, uh, company leaders here who are women, they actually don't necessarily have a tech background. 
mm. but they are very very good at running companies and at the end mm. of the day you know that first of all encourages other people to do that and also you know it's it's about not being intimidated by you know like technology technology yeah you may not be the one coding or developing but you know can you understand how to make it as a business work because a platform without a business model is just empty platform if you think about it yeah it totally feels like the whole china has this growth mindset and they are early adapters right whenever the technology comes out be it a new voice facial recognition system in shanghai mtr or the new retail experience when it's see now by now whenever you scan a qr code on tv people actually adapt it use it in their daily life and people are not afraid of it anymore so this growth mindset um you know the whole world is changing fast and i'm changing with it is is unique to china uh, based on the speed with which it's moving and how people are reacting to it i mean living here in hong kong we are 20 years behind uh, first year cities in china now and this is you know this is the re- that there is a realization that very few people have um i think hong kong is also uh, not hong kong singapore is also a little bit behind china is is moving very very fast in the tech uh, scene what about finance you also have the law and finance background so are women also active in finance yes i mean i mean you know finance and tech are still male dominated industries you know but yes i mean they are women um i don't have the statistics to be honest with you but i do know that um and i've never really seen this actually in mm-hmm. any other place in the world but um you know there there are uh you know i think a few of the of, of the foreign banks here well, i can't remember is it i think it might be uh, jp morgan and it might mm-hmm. be i think uh, morgan stanley or is it merrill lynch one of them you know but like some of their top uh you know like their chairman vice chairman or um you know head of head of the country actually are actually women and that's actually quite rare Mm-hmm. when you go to other countries you know mm-hmm. um and and i and i and i and i mean something really interesting is that if you talk to a lot of foreign owned companies in china mm-hmm. um they will tell you that you know um they will tell you that the percentage of female leadership senior female leadership in china is much higher than their other countries yeah yeah absolutely um when we talk about finance i think it's also an interesting question i mean the relationship with money you know i think in a lot of other countries women have a funny relationship with money whenever they start they start a business they uh, like to say i do not know sometimes it's true sometimes it's just i think a delusion they say that oh i'm not working for money i'm just working for an idea or they try to basically diminish that 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 impact that money is bringing their business or uh, the impact that it has on their life women generally probably it's the way that we were brought up and you know good girls don't talk about money or don't request much um but in china again this this love for money and this relationship with money is very different do you see anything like that um in in china yes i think that um like i say this is an extremely pragmatic market right and and i and i see that as an asset um i think that financial and economic empowerment is actually the most basic um step of empowerment for women mm-hmm. before social before you know anything else really and um because financial economic empowerment financial independence economic empowerment um actually give women a lot of more choices um and and you know give them options you know uh, you know in terms of the life that they want to lead right and i think especially in the first tier cities in china yeah women definitely have embraced that financial independence and you know um um and the economic empowerment and they're using their spending power 
um, and, 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 you know, and, uh, and, and using it. And that's why a lot of the biggest companies in China know they need to capture that market and, 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 and value, you know, and make sure that they serve the needs of, of this market. Um, so I, I don't see money as a dirty thing at all. And I, and I, and I definitely don't think, I mean, this, you I know, mean, this market, you know, is, is very focused on, on that. But I, I, I actually see finances, financial literacy, independence as, as, as key parts of empowerment for women. In mm. fact, without that, it's very, very hard to lean in. Yes. So going back to all this and summary it all up, do you think the future is female? Do you think that the rest of the world will also catch up and there will be more and more women uh, returning to work and starting their businesses and going into, uh, you know, tech and finance and just taking over the world. Do you believe that future is female? Um, I do believe the future is female, but it's not about necessarily like um, women taking over the world uh, mm-hmm. per se. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I believe that the future presents many, many opportunities to women. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, something really interesting which is happening is that, um, you know, I think that the rise of what we call the she economy, which is women controlling, uh, you know, about 75 to 80 percent of consumption in, mm. across the world um, and, um, you know, basically being responsible for the growth of companies, especially in um, as companies go online, you know, in mm. the uh, Internet, in the mobile and in the social media spaces. Um, I think that you know, with the rise of this, what I call she economy or, or this kind of consumption power, I actually think that there's a huge opportunity, uh, you know, in the market, you know, in terms of women, for, for women entrepreneurs, women executives, um, mm-hmm. you know, women product designers, um, uh, women managers, etc. Um, and I, and I think that the internet, you know, people are saying that, okay, because, you know, now there's a huge tech gap, etc., etc. Yeah, yes, there is. There's mm-hmm. a gender gap in technology, but I also think that technology um, brings opportunities to women. You know, in a sense, this is the best time you know that it's ever been for women, because technology allows women to have more flexibility. Uh, you know, for women who previously weren't allowed to maybe leave their home, now mm-hmm. you know you can work from home, you can run a business from home, um, mm-hmm. you can look after your children. You know, and um, you know, you know, uh, you know, still so, you know, run a business. You know, you have that flexibility, whereas in the past, women didn't have this option. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I also think that, um, you know, companies are being forced to listen to women consumers, you know, to understand their, you know, uh, to design better products for them, mm-hmm. to understand what the market is actually saying, um, or else these are missed market opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think, you know, in, in many ways, you know, I think that this is the best age, you know, it's ever been for women. Um, yeah. as long as we, you know, make, you know, um, see the opportunities that technology is creating for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not being afraid. I mean, I don't have a technology background. You know, I don't code. I don't do a website. Um, <laughs> I, I was doing law and finance. Um, but, but, you know, to me now, I, 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 apart from running Sheila's Tech and, you know, running the fund, I mean, I, I invest in technology companies and, you know, it's learning experience, you know. It's not about, I think in the beginning, I was quite intimidated by it. But actually now, I, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think we're all human. Technology is a platform to make our lives better and for us to understand, um, you know, you know, it's for us to understand technology and to see if we can leverage it to build better businesses, better lives. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, absolutely. About the future, absolutely. Yeah. And how can men support women at workplace? I mean, there's so many companies out there, uh, let's say international uh, corporate uh, 
uh, firms and multinationals and they all talk about you know the ratio of women in boardrooms and they talk about you know women in top management uh, there are so many international uh, movements right now from me too to lean in to many 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 others and China actually has their own unique movements as well um, you know it draws some positive and negative attention to the to the current issue at hand so what can men do what is the best way for them to get engaged and help up I, I I'm glad you raised the point because I think that men are probably the biggest game changers as in mm. the participation of men and promoting women's equality or, or, or gender equality is probably going to be the biggest game changer we see in our lifetime mm-hmm. um, and, and and you know as you know my uh, my entire all my organizations are focused on, on working with women and, mm-hmm. and, and and you know empowering them um I think that you know at the end of the day um I think men and women you know you know it, it is a partnership you know in life in, in work at, at home mm-hmm. um you know one of the reasons why um if women don't have equality at home it's very for them it's very hard to get for them to get equality at work children much most of the burden at home how much time can you actually put in your career Right. Um, because at the end of the day, they're only 24 hours in a day. And so, <laughs> you know, it, it's like any team, really, right? Right. I mean, like if you're, if you're in a team, then you have to work with your team. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and I mean, I think one of the things that we're trying to, you know, that we're actually been talking about is that every, I think every family, every workplace is a negotiation, isn't it? Um, how can men, support women, how, you know, I mean, the most basic thing is how they can support their wives, their mothers, you know, their daughters. Um, I I often say that people think that it's these, like, you know, awe-inspiring mm-hmm. changes. People think that it's these landscape changes, landmark changes. Mm-hmm. But actually, sometimes the changes are small, you know, they're small steps, they're, they're small kindnesses. It's like encouraging your girlfriend or your wife to take a job that she would have been up to a great cake. Yeah. Um, that could change her whole her whole life. Sometimes it's like helping her to look after the kids while she's studying for her exam. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's taking a day um, to work from home so that she so that she can look to help to look after the kid while she has to do, go to like on a business trip. Um, mm. You know, sometimes it's yeah, it's like you know doing laundry because you know she's tired. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's small things, and then obviously in the workplace, you know. Um, because men still hold the majority of leadership positions. It's everything from mentoring the women in your team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, encouraging them to take a new position, sponsoring them if you're a very senior leader, um, you know, guiding them along the way. I mean, you know, throughout my entire career, I've been so fortunate to have had many, many male mentors along the way, many mentors in general, uh, uh, you know, a lot of women too. But, you know, I, I've had a lot of male mentors. I've been very grateful Um to them for what they've taught me, um, the way they've helped me, for what I what I can learn from them. So I, you know, and, and also I think, you know, for men to also be aware of any kind of subconscious bias and for women to be aware of any subconscious bias they have to other women. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it, you know, I see this very much as a team effort. It's not just how women mention for women, you know, I mean, it's also how women support men. I mean, I think... I think that um, you know we, we we do a lot of surveys at Lean in China, and our the last publication that we did showed that men actually face work-life balance issues too, and that mm-hmm. men also really value their families. But the mm-hmm. question is that the corporate workplace that we're in, 
only or assumes that the burden of childcare is on the women. And yeah. so, and so that means that, um, if men are not allowed to have work-life balance, then how the heck are they supposed to help women get work-life balance? You know what I'm trying to say? Because they themselves are not allowed. They're not allowed. Because we, we assume as a society that women are responsible for childbearing and, and household responsibility. And so, if, you know, if the responsibility is never shared because we're never allowed to, mm. then women just, you know, inevitably end up with all the burden. It's, it's, it's an explicit acknowledgement that this is just a woman's job. And then, and so men don't get their work-life balance either, and nothing, nothing, you know, everything stays the same. So, actually, I think that men are part of, you can say men are part of the problem, but I believe that men are, men are a huge part of the solution. Because yeah. at the end of the day, and, you know, it's hard to just change one gender alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned that a lot of mentors around you were actually men. A lot of women out there are now trying to find those mentors, and they, they you know, it's a little bit, it's also a little bit weird for many, for example, here in Hong Kong, you are young and then you are out to seek out an older man to mentor you. So it sounds a little bit weird and uncomfortable. You've had, as you mentioned, many successful mentorship programs and uh, people that supported you. How has that relationship started? You know, and uh, uh, what advice would you give women that are looking for mentors like this? I don't think I was ever looking for a mentor. Aha. Uh-huh. In my life, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that I met them, but I don't think I was ever looking for them. <laughs> I think that, I think very often they were my clients, they were my bosses, uh-huh. and sometimes they were my friends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my peers have been my greatest mentors, and mm-hmm. sometimes they've been, you know, older and much more senior than me. But mm-hmm. I think there's no such thing as finding a mentor. To have a mentor, you need to show first show that you're worthy of being mentored. Yes. I think people expect that mentorship is, okay, this person's going to help me out throughout my life and give me a lot of stuff and you know, <laughs> open all the doors to me. Yes, this person may. And very often, men, the best mentors do that. And I do the same for young women. But first thing is that why do you deserve to be mentored? I think in, in my case, I never asked anyone to mentor me, but I worked hard, always worked very, very hard. I was always very curious. Mm. You know, I, I, I valued their, I valued, I often asked for their advice and I valued their advice. And mm-hmm. I think something which is key, you know, if you want to be mentored is when people give you advice, you take it and then you go back to them and you tell them, Hey, I took your advice. This is what happened. Thank you. Yeah. And then you develop a relationship from there. But it's not like, okay, mentor me because blah, blah, blah. I would never go up to <laughs> someone and say, will you be my mentor? Someone will mentor you if he or she thinks you're worth mentoring. Absolutely. But that also means that you have to put in the hard work first. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm 100% with you on that. And you just mentioned, uh, you know, all this support that you got from the professional, uh, professional network. Can you put some spotlight on other important men or women in your life? Uh, a significant other, a family member or a friend? Uh, who supports you most, men or women, and do they support you in a different way? I'll tell you where this question is coming from. Uh, I think that a lot of women like to support. They're just cheerleaders. And a lot of men, at least in my life, they like to push you to, to get your standards higher. You know, to, uh, they don't allow you to slack and uh, lag behind. So do you also see anything like that, like the different level of support and who are the most important people in your life that are pushing you to uh, improve and get better? You know, um, that's a really 
again, very insightful question. Um, you know, I don't really like to make generalizations on yeah. things. Like men are one way, women are one way. But I do notice something, which is that my guy friends are very much focused on my professional development. Right. And my girlfriends, anyways, are focused on my personal development. <laughs> now, 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 I think when I was younger, I thought that these two things had completely no correlation. Uh-huh. But actually, personal and professional development are actually linked very close. So, so, you know, I would say that, I would say that it is wrong to think that professional development because it gets you, you know, um, you need help with, uh, you know, introduction and your guy friend does it for you versus your girlfriend who just sits there and listens to you cry all night. Um, you know, that, okay, one is more practical than the other one is, you know, gives me an, 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 an uh, distinct, like a very practical advantage, whereas the other one is just, you know, she's just listening to my story. I, I actually disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, I think both are very valuable. I noticed that men are actually very, uh, you know, in a way, I think they pre-program, they like to talk about deals. And I, and, and because of my background in law and finance, I also like to talk about deals a lot. So yeah. with men, you know, they're always honestly talking about work. And they, they want to do deals. And, and so you're always talking to them about deals. They want you to do deals with them. They want you to work with them. It's always this kind of partnership kind of idea. And yes, they do push me. They do push me. Um, you know, I think they push me to take bigger risks, actually. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do push me to take bigger risks, to be more brave and, you know, telling me to dream bigger and think better. Um, uh, my girlfriends also encourage me um, a lot. And I, I would say that they help me to nurture, I would say, my emotional well-being, which I think, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, as a person, is as important, if not more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, because no, 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 no man is an island or no woman is an island. And I also think that, um, you know, I mean, we are not just machines. You know, we don't just do transactional things every day. You know, there is a person inside each of each person, and I, I mean. I feel like learning how to deal with your emotions, learning how to deal with your failures, learning how to deal with your fears. It's um, crucial. Mm. You know, that's a huge part. Yeah. So, I mean, I have like a best guy friend and a best girlfriend. To be honest, we, we support each other emotionally and professionally. Mm. But I would say that with, 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 with the guy friend, he's much more like professionally focused, you know, raise the fund, do more deals, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk strategy. And with, and with, with the girlfriend, it's more general. So we also talk a lot about careers. So, so, you know, maybe there is a trend that way, but yeah. I, I also, I don't see one as more important than the other. Totally if get anything, it. anything, I think your, yeah, your emotional, mental, psychological well-being, you know, they underlie everything that you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And who are the two or three most successful people that you know personally? And what do you learn from them? What is that secret to their success? They can be entrepreneurs, they can be mentors that you had before you know so it's it's so interesting um i've never really considered that question i'll straight to that <laughs> i've never considered um, the most I, successful people question yeah because, because, mm -hmm. because because i think success is so relative right because you know because like i think when you ask me that question i think you expect mm -hmm. me to say okay you know the richest person i know or probably like the most balanced person i know mm -hmm. or like the person who kind of has it all right the family mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The husband or the wife, you know, the career, the children. Right. Um, but actually, to me, success is really, really relative. Um, you know, so what um, is success to you? Having a big career. Mm -hmm. mm. What is success to me? I think success to me 
is being able to pursue your dreams. Mm-hmm. Really being able to live them out. You know, having no sense of limitation. Um, you know, having having the freedom and autonomy to actually give your dreams a shot. I think that is what success mm. is. And you know, I think a lot of people think of success as like, okay, the pot of gold is the end of the rainbow. You know, the you know, <laughs> like the happy. You know, like I mean, I mean, obviously, I think having a happy family is very important. But but actually, success means different things for different people. And of course, um. Yeah, and, and I think, I think being successful probably is, yeah, you know, giving, you know, getting a, a good shot at, at living your dreams, actually, whatever those dreams are. How would you recommend, like, yeah, how would you recommend people to start pursuing their dreams? Because for most of the people, exactly, success is uh, living your life and not, uh, you know, not uh, following somebody else's expectation. For those people that have not yet realized that they just keep following social, you know, pre, uh, pre-prepared kind of routes, yeah, saying that, okay, reaching certain, uh, certain earning power or, you know, having certain family, that's what success is. But for many, many people that actually work on themselves and try to discover what actually drives them, they understand that it's living your life how you want it and giving shots to your dreams is important. So how to start living your dream from your experience? I think, I think the first thing about living your dreams is knowing what your dreams are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that to know what your dreams are, I don't, I mean, some people are lucky. They know it since they were born, but I think for the most of us, mm, knowing what your dreams are or trying to find out what your dreams are, it's actually a long, long, tiring mm. search. Mm. I think, first of all, to start living your dreams, you need to really think about what is it that you really want in your life. You know, what are you willing to give up? What are you not willing to mm, give up? Mm, and mm. I think the only way you can really start searching for your dreams is actually by trying, trying. So yeah. try. I mean, I never knew that I would run a, you know, women's like organization. I never thought I would build a fund. I never thought I would do a, um, you know, a women's entrepreneurship platform, a competition. I just never thought I'd do any of that, actually. But, but, but I think that, um, you know, I never thought I'd come to China, actually, in my life. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think, but then, you know, China's probably the place that, that I've been happiest in my life. And, and, and I think that if you, you know, it's about soul searching, but really asking yourself, what are things that you really want? What are the things that you can live with? What are the things you can live without? Um, and, and, and then taking that leap of faith. And, the, and I'd say, you know, despite the fear, you know, just, just doing it, you know, or, or, or trying, trying, I think, mm. we, you know, it, it's everything because at least you can look back and say you tried. Um, but I also think that, you know, if you're wanting to live your dreams, also there's a very practical side to that. And I think um, I'm a very pragmatic person. And so, um, you know, I think I, I think it also means like putting aside, um, you know, putting aside, uh, you know, enough, um, uh, you know, putting, making sure you have a safety net. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, before you, before you jump from the building, <laughs> okay. you know, and, you know, ensuring that, yeah, I mean, it's what I went, it's what, it's, I go back to what I said just now, which is the financial literacy piece, you know, making yeah. sure that, you know, you, you know, it's very hard to like help other people or live your dreams if you can't even look after yourself. Right. And, and, and I, and I actually really, I really believe in that. I think financial freedom gives you choices, you know, gives you options. 
Absolutely. And what would be a couple of movies or books that you would recommend any women or men out there to read about female entrepreneurship or the way that, you know, women can contribute to the workforce better or personal development? Anything that you read uh, recently that changed your life and you would recommend others to check out? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I like a lot of um you know, there, there, I mean, I, I love, I love reading. Um, there, there are quite a few books which I love. Um, I really like, um, you know, um, how Google works. If okay. you want to understand technology. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, well, you, you know, I, I think, um, there are quite a few books out there about like, you know, how, 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 um, Alibaba's world, like, you know, how, how, you know, a lot of these technology companies work, how they built them. Um, right. I also like, um, things on emotional intelligence. So there's a really book about, uh, from a very good book about Brene Brown about, um, daring greatly. Okay. About daring, the power greatly. Of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. daring greatly. Um, I also think that, um, uh, I mean, sorry, there was a book I had in my mind. Oh yeah. I, I really am a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell. Um, oh, yeah. you know, he makes you think <laughs> about things and, uh, I really like David and Goliath, you know, the, idea that um you know a weakness can actually be a strength and a strength mm. can actually be a weakness you know mm. very very powerful mm. um so so that's i mean i think um right now i'm reading like a whole bunch of different books actually um you know some on uh, one on emotional agility mm. one pure fiction that's you know a couple of fiction and <laughs> uh you know one talking about like you know relationship with money i i, I think i i think you know um I love reading widely. I like yeah. to understand the world around me. I don't think that particular books a woman should read versus a man should read. I think right. that I think we need to broaden, you know, that idea. Like I don't I don't like the word women's leadership. I like the word leadership. And right. I think that um yeah, I mean I, I, I think that you know, we should be focusing on bettering ourselves, understanding the world better around um, you know, gaining more knowledge and more wisdom. As From all to, aspects, you know, trying to figure out all the, you know, all yeah. the differences, you know, uh, yeah. I, I think you can learn from everybody and in, in anything. Yeah, absolutely perfect. And finally, um, if people want to know more about uh, Lean in China and about all other businesses, give us the most shameless plug of your businesses and your networks that you have out in China. What shall our listeners across Asia Pacific uh, do? What, where shall they go to check you out? Uh, what shall they know about what you are running? So, shameless plug of your projects, please. <laughs> okay, sure, no problem. Um, Lean in China is um, one of China's leading women's uh, development nonprofits, and we focus on education and training and um, uh, and data and research. We have um, about 120 communities across China. And more than 100,000 members. And so, mm-hmm. for more information on that, uh, you can go to www.leaninchina.com.cn. Um, and She Loves the Tech is now the world's largest um, startup competition for women in technology and software. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be launching this year on May 8th. Uh, we will be in 12 countries this year, including Hong Kong. I mean, as in, in mm. one of the rounds, um, one of the international rounds will be in Hong Kong. Uh, as part of the four mainland, uh, four grounds that we have in China. Uh, and we, this year we will cover the Middle East, Africa, Europe, um, and Asia. So everybody shall Im- apply. Who shall apply? Um, well, there's, the criteria is interesting. So either 
you are a male or female entrepreneur and you're using technology to impact women positively, or mm-hmm. you are a women entrepreneur who is using technology to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. So for more information on that, you can go to www.shelastech.org. Uh-huh. And I mean, finally, you know, this year is the year that I hope to launch my uh, fund, Page Ventures, uh, which will be the first gender lens fund for Asia, looking at some early stage uh, startups um, to impact women positively in China and Southeast Asia. So I'm really excited about that right now. Perfect. That's fantastic. And how can you, uh, how can we support or learn more about 10 year ventures? Um, I, I mean, for now, um, our website isn't up yet. Uh, the website is www.pageadventures.com. Uh, it's not up at the moment, but it will be. And I think if, you know, anybody sort of has any kind of, uh, Queries, wants to learn more, uh, feel free to email me on virginiateja at gmail.com. That's virginiateja, T-E-J-A, at gmail.com. That's absolutely fantastic. Virginia, thank you very much for spending this hour with us. We learned a lot about female entrepreneurship. We learned a lot about China. We learned about, a lot about tech. Uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts, your observations. It was extremely, extremely uh, useful and beneficial, and I'm sure it's going to uh, it's going to go out there and make people think and act. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much again. Um, thank you for joining us, guys. Don't forget to subscribe to AshleyTalks.com, and we'll see each other next Wednesday. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.